Sweet tooth, crying shame. Sweet tooth, crying shame. Sweet tooth, crying shame. Gotta feed the sweet tooth ten times a day just to hear the wind blowing on a windy day. There's white sugar, brown sugar, raw sugar. Agave, uh, agave, I mean, simple syrup, maple syrup, honey, molasses, a plethora of options when it comes to choosing something to make anything sweet. But which are the best for what purpose, and are any of them healthy? That's what we're going to find out on this week's Please Explain. Joining us now are Shauna Seaver, author of Real Sweet, More Than 80 Crave-Worthy Treats Made with Natural Sugars, and... Also with us is Rebecca Blake, nutritionist, registered dietitian, administrative director for medicine at Mount Sinai Beth Israel. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. And uh, for our listeners, if you have any question about how to use different types of sugar or about how these sugars might affect your health, you can give us a call at 212-433-9692. You can also write to us on our show page at wmyc.org slash or tweet us to at Leonard Lopate. Shauna, your book is all about natural sugars. What qualifies as a natural sugar? Well, what I say in the book um, is pretty much that encompasses anything that is less refined than white sugar. So one of the first things I point out in the book is that sugar is sugar, and your body will treat every sugary calorie almost exactly the same. But this is really a book about playing with the less processed, sugars that are available on the market. And as you said in the introduction, there are a, a rainbow of them available, albeit a sort of brown rainbow, but <laughs> a lot of different options. So this is a book that's as much about celebrating the flavor of these sugars as it is um, kind of the less processed nature of these sweeteners and sugars. Now, Rebecca, are white refined sugars much worse than the other kinds of sugars for us? Are they much worse? They're a little worse. And it sort of depends on who you are and what your other possible pre-existing medical conditions are. I always think of it from that perspective as well. Uh, many people process white sugar just fine. It doesn't have a major impact on their weight. It doesn't seem to affect their blood sugar adversely. And it is, however, very high glycemic index, whereas some of the more natural sugars that Sean is speaking about do, in fact, have a lower rank on the glycemic index, which just means they hit your blood sugar more slowly, which is better. What does it mean to refine a sugar? Are there different stages of refinement? It's kind of like the way we look at flour. So if you if you take flour from wheat and you use the bran and you use the germ and, and you end up with this kind of gritty, grainy, fibery bread, which is very popular now for those who eat gluten, um, but when you break it down and break it down and make it this kind of pretty white refined texture, it gets digested much more quickly, and therefore you don't feel full for as long. That's part of the issue. And the same thing goes with sugar. It doesn't really contribute to satiety or, or fullness. Shauna, you mentioned the different colors of sugar. Most of them are various stages of uh, shades of brown. That's because that's the original color of sugars? type of sugar that you're talking about, what it's derived from. So if you're talking about cane sugars, 
Um, in that sense, the more molasses that is retained in the sugar, the darker it'll be and the more flavorful it will be. Um, and there are sugars from other sources as well. For example, um, you know, honey, agave, and then coconut sugar, which is uh, becoming increasingly popular. It's um, from the coconut palm. Um, and so it just completely depends on the original source. And why is coconut sugar becoming more popular? What does it give us that the other sugars don't give us? Well, if you want to talk about sugars in terms of refinement or processing, you can find a number of brands of coconut sugar that really have very little done to them. They really are just evaporated um, coconut flour sap. Um, and so for people who want to avoid white sugar, white cane sugar altogether for various reasons, that's a really nice option. Um, additionally, there is some evidence that suggests that coconut sugar is uh, slightly lower on the glycemic index than white sugar. Um, I tend to sort of treat all sugars the same and, and not pay too much attention to glycemic index um, because it really is, uh, it can be uh, kind of more of a medium glycemic rather than a true low glycemic option. Um, but I think generally people who are avoiding white cane sugar find coconut sugar to be a nice alternative. Rebecca, I, um, I'm comfortable putting you in the role of expert here, but you are the yes, nutritionist. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I appreciate that. Is that, that all true? It is true. Okay, good. So I've heard. <laughs> now, Shauna, what contributes to grain size? Why does, say, turbinado sugar have larger grains than white refined sugar? Well, I talk about in the book um, one of the, the best ways to talk about um, the refining process of cane sugar is to sort of um, present it as, as really a long process that takes you all the way from, you know, the sugar cane to, say, to the extreme, the most refined white sugar, which is going to be the white bleached granulated sugar that we're all used to seeing in the grocery store. So depending on what point in the sugar refining process that that sugar is pulled out, um, it will determine the, like we said, the color, the amount of molasses that remains in the sugar, and how coarse the grain is. So um, without getting too complex, because I know that we're, we're on a time constraint, um, there is uh, a point in the sugar refining process where um, the sugar crystals are placed into what's called a turbine, and it spins, and it gets rid of um, a certain amount of the molasses, and so after that stage, you have these coarse sparkly crystals, which look like turbinado, or which are turbinado sugar, um, and sometimes we'll hear that as sugar in the raw, those little brown packets you see at coffee shops, that's turbinado sugar. And so um, that name turbinado comes from being spun in, in a turbine during the sugar refining process. My guests are Shauna Seaver, author of Real Sweet, More Than 80 Crave-Worthy Treats Made with Natural Sugars and Rebecca Blake, a nutritionist, registered dietitian, and administrative director for medicine at Mount Sinai Beth Israel. This is WMIC, WMIC.org. I'm Leonard Lopate, and we're taking your calls at 212-433-9692, talking about sweeteners, uh, and we expand that to all the different sweeteners. Uh, and you can also write to us on our show page at WMIC.org slash Lopate, or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Let's put Susan from the Bronx on the air. Hi, and thank you for this discussion. So this is for you, Rebecca. I'm wondering, I've taken a 
cookie recipe, and I've played around with several different things, and I found that if I take concentrated apple juice and use that as my sweetener, that the recipe comes out pretty well. So I'm wondering, from a nutritional standpoint, have I done something good, or it's just sugar? It's a great question. I think a lot of people wonder about their substituting in recipes and how much it really saves them. If, if you're talking about calories, if your cookies are about as sweet as they were with regular sugar, not using the apple juice, I would say you're probably not saving a whole lot of calories, if any. Because once we get uh, the sweetness up to what we're accustomed to, the calories are generally even, unless we're using a, a completely artificial sweetener that's not considered non-caloric. Mm -hmm. But for your purposes, what you might be doing that's beneficial is adding in a few vitamins that sugar can't offer. So you might be throwing in some vitamin C. So what about sweet and low, Splenda, Stevia? Uh, are they at even sure. comparable to sugar? Uh, they are. Some of them are molecular, molecularly similar to sugar, although they are generally considered rearranged molecules. They have so so one gram of Splenda or aspartame. Let's say either one. They're they're different, but they've got the same number of calories per gram. They have four calories per gram. So does sugar. The difference is, in the case of aspartame, it's 200 times as sweet. So we end up using such a negligible amount to get the same degree of sweetness. Which you say is uh, upregulating the perception of sweetness? Right. So people are always asking, how safe are these? And the government tells us, well, they're GRAS, or generally regarded as safe. And then they establish something called an acceptable okay. daily intake. And an acceptable daily intake basically says that, for instance, you can safely have 50 milligrams of aspartame per kilogram of body weight, and that's considered safe. So I did a little uh, research on what that is. That's 24 cans of Diet Coke a day are considered safe by the U.S. government. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to argue that point by any stretch, but... Um, I would think that's <laughs> an awful lot of lobbying by the... <laughs> the soda industry. <laughs> that's also <laughs> true. So um, that's th that's the talk about artificial sugar. If you want, if you're comfortable with it, that's what the government says is safe. Steve from the Bronx, you're on the air. Uh, hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, I was curious about uh, stevia, which seems to be becoming more popular now. Well, your name is Steve, and you want to talk about stevia? Yeah. Well, no pun intended. Um, and uh, yes, I do. And I'm a very sweet guy, too. Anyway, um, regarding stevia, is it basically, uh, does it metabolize in the body the same way regular sugars do? Or what is, this, what is the story about stevia? The story with stevia is, while it's not new, it's newer to the U.S. public. And it, it has reached the generally regarded as safe uh, threshold. And it has about the same number of calories as sucralose, or uh, that's in the little yellow packet. I'm not sure about how much we're supposed to use brand names. But um, it's an it's extract. Okay. It uh, comes from a plant. But guess what else comes from a plant? Sugar. Thank you. <laughs> what about you, Shauna? Do you ever come up with recipes that uh, include stevia? a lot since I put this book out. Um, and one of the things I say very early in the book is that those really aren't sugars or, or sugar substitutes, rather, or sweeteners that are really discussed in the book. Um, for me, as a baker and a recipe developer um, who enjoys playing with sugar in moderation, um, I tend to sort of 
not develop recipes for uh, stevia or sucralose or things like that, simply because you you can't play with them in the same way. Um, I like to create very concise sort of foolproof recipes. A lot of people run into a lot of challenges making recipes with these sweeteners because they're not sugar, so they don't act the same, they don't play the same. Um, so for me, in, in my perspective, um, I kind of avoid them as a recipe developer. I can um, so taste the difference. Oh, of, I can absolutely taste the difference, and it's it's not uh, just the taste, which sometimes can be either a lack of taste or too sweet or some kind of funky aftertaste, but additionally, um, it's a textural issue as well. And so baking, of course, a lot of us know is chemistry, and if you take sugar, which is a very important um, ingredient in the chemistry of baking, and you swap that with something that isn't sugar, um, it can be very frustrating for a home baker to get really inconsistent and not delicious results. Barbara from the Bronx. Hi, you're on the air. Oh, I am. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, My name is Barbara Levine. I'm calling from the Bronx. My question is this. I am diabetic or pre-diabetic, so I'm very, very conscious now of avoiding sugar. Um, However, I just heard earlier in the show that The hypoglycemic scale measures different sugars different ways. And I was wondering how I could recognize them on on that scale when I go shopping. For instance, is honey seriously lower on the glycemic scale than I might incorporate it sometime in a salad dressing or a dish? Sure. Um, I do use Splenda uh, to make applesauce and other kinds of fruit sauces. Um, I know better than to try to bake with it, and I wouldn't bake anyway because mostly they want white flour. I think I should shut up and give you a chance to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to tackle this first? I can tackle oh. it. I have my table yeah. of uh, glycemic index right in front of me here. Um, but I will say that uh, sucrose, or table sugar, has, is a 65 on the glycemic index, and honey is a 50. So what does that really mean in practical application? They hit your bloodstream, Barbara, at almost the same at almost the same rate, truthfully. They're not That's really pretty close, fifty to sixty. Yeah. They're not apprisably mm-hmm. different. Interestingly, uh, Shauna had mentioned the coconut palm sugar is down at a thirty five for glycemic index. I just like to be careful. So that would make it th- a, a better option for people who are diabetic? A slightly better option. So, again, slightly. everyone's body reacts differently, and I, I tend to resonate with what Shauna said, which is sugar is sugar, and we can dress it up and call it different things, but uh, I don't like anyone, especially a diabetic or an almost diabetic, to, to start seeing anything that's a sugar, but it's a little lower on the glycemic scale to be to become something that they really lean on as, as a heavy heavy intake product, you should be watching all sugars in your diet if you have a blood sugar control problem. And Shauna, I suspect you hear a lot from people who are diabetic. Um, yes, and one of the things I do straight away is say this is not the book for you <laughs> because although we deal with less processed sugars, it certainly is a book about playing with white sugar alternatives, um, and so it is not intended to be um, a book of diabetic-friendly recipes. We're going to take a little break and talk more about sugar and other sweeteners uh, and take listener calls, and uh, you can also write to us on our show page at wmyc.org slash or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Our phone number is 212-433-9692. My guests are Shauna Seaver, 
author of Real Sweet, More Than 80 Crave-Worthy Treats Made with Natural Sugars, and Rebecca Blake, a nutritionist, a registered dietitian, and administrative director for medicine at Mount Sinai Beth Israel. Blackstrap, molasses, and the wheat germ bread Makes you live so long you wish you were dead You add some yogurt and you'll be well fed With Blackstrap, molasses, and the wheat germ bread Sugar and other sweeteners are the subject of today's Please Explain. We're talking about them with Rebecca Blake, a nutritionist, registered dietitian, and administrative director for medicine at Mount Sinai Beth Israel, and Shauna Siever, author of Real Sweet, More Than 80 Crave-Worthy Treats Made with Natural Sugars. And we are taking listener calls here at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at wnyc.org. Um, Elizabeth on Long Island wants to know how agave affects diabetics. Should I take that one, Shauna? I guess so. Oh, yes. All right. All of that goes to you. (laughs) Uh, So agave is actually 21 calories per teaspoon, and table sugar, the little white little things that we use, is 16 calories. So it's actually slightly higher in calories. Um... It's on the glycemic index scale. Um, I'm going to tell you where it falls as I consult my table, which doesn't have agave on it. So the truth is, you have to look at it as almost identical. Shauna, when might you want to use a liquid sugar like agave or a honey as opposed to a dry sugar? I love using liquid sweeteners in soft-baked cookies, quick breads, muffins, cakes, anything where you want a really moist, slightly denser uh, quality. One of the things I say in the book is that the best way to have a non-frustrating experience with swapping sugars, swapping out, say, corn syrup for honey, um, would be to swap liquids for liquids and dry sugars for dry sugars. Let's uh, take another call. Josh from Paramus. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. I was wondering about uh, a plant product I found in my local health food store, brown rice syrup. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know any of the health benefits of it or how to use it? Brown rice syrup is a 25 on the glycemic index, so it's going to hit your blood sugar a little bit, uh, significantly less quickly than than sugar, but again, it's going to have the same number of calories. Uh, if it's the syrup from brown rice, I'm going to go ahead and say it doesn't have much nutritional value uh, or, or superior nutritional value to anything else like honey or, or regular sugar. Shauna, Sha- do you think? Shauna, how would you use brown rice sugar? I love to use brown rice syrup. Or syrup. Just as you would, yes, just as you would use um, light corn syrup. Uh, it's a wonderful foolproof swap. And so I, um, I love to use it in candy making. In fact, I just yesterday made the caramelized coconut sugar frosting from the book, and I put a little bit of brown rice syrup in there because it gives a lovely flexibility and gloss to frostings. Um, but again, it, because it is a liquid sugar, it works a lot like corn syrup. It will keep sugar from crystallizing. So it's a wonderful little tool to use in candy making as well. 
Rebecca, you've been talking about how the sugar hits your body. What leads to spikes in blood sugar? So again, it's very individual uh, dependent, but if you do have any kind of metabolic issue like diabetes or prediabetes or even something called reactive hypoglycemia, which doesn't necessarily require a diagnosis of diabetes at all, it can just mean you're particularly sensitive to sugar intake. And if you eat something like, say, a bag of gummy bears and you don't eat anything with it, like a protein or a source of fiber or a fat, that's good. That could hit your blood sugar very, very quickly. It could cause it to go up quickly. You might feel very energetic. You might feel a little giddy. And then it may cause you to crash. And the crash is when we feel that hypoglycemic, almost everyone has it very occasionally, where you're a little sweaty, a little jittery. You feel possibly irritable. That's where we get the term hangry from. Actually, it comes from having <laughs> low blood sugar and being a little bit irritable, um, which is a symptom of low blood, sh- blood sugar. Does the time of day you consume sugar affect how your body processes it? It really shouldn't. Now, we do need sugar. We do. It's like salt. In excess, it's not good for us, but a certain amount is necessary for energy? Everything in moderation, including moderation, whether you attribute that to Oscar Wilde or the many others that have agreed with it. Um, Yes, sugar is delicious, and it is a carbohydrate. It is a readily accessible carbohydrate. So especially for athletes... There's no reason you should think that those little goo shots that you might take while you're marathoning are better than having, uh, you know, some sort of shot of simple syrup, if that were as easy to carry around. Shauna, uh, a listener, Elizabeth in Queens, asks, I've been using granulated sugar when I make muffins, but the results have been grainy and not soft enough. What sweetener should I be using? Well, that completely depends on the recipe and what exactly she means by grainy. Uh, But I would say that muffins, like I said, are a wonderful opportunity to use um, liquid sweeteners for moisture. So things like honey. I actually love using pure maple syrup um, in muffins because often we want that sort of breakfasty sort of quality. Um, I have an oatmeal uh, muffin in the book with uh, dried blueberries, which is sweetened completely with maple syrup. That's wonderful. Um, and so that would be a, a great way to to swap in um, something that is truly a natural sweetener, uh, like a honey or a maple syrup. We uh, played blackstrap molasses and wheat germ bread. Uh, Rebecca, it says, the, the song says, uh, makes you so healthy that you wish you were dead. Do they make you healthy? Not at all. Blackstrap molasses is, is a 55. It's gonna, it's almost like sugar, almost like, uh, like honey. It just, it looks kind of interesting and, you know, it makes things very, very sweet. But it has a wonderful flavor. Absolutely. It does have a wonderful flavor, and I like to use molasses in small amounts as a flavor booster. Um, But I do think it is interesting that in its natural state, uh, you know, a sugar cane and molasses uh, is actually one of the most nutrient-dense substances. We just wouldn't – blackstrap molasses is very, very strong and sort of bitter, um, in addition to being sweet. So, you know, I, I don't like to use tons of it, but it is, uh, as far as sugars go, I mean, like I say in the book, you know, a lot of these, you know, sugar is sugar, 
But sometimes you can add a nice nutrient punch, like how Rebecca was talking earlier about concentrated apple juice. That's one of my favorite sweeteners, too. Um, and it's one of those situations where it's like, if you're going to make something for your kids and you're going to put sugar in it, you can eat something at least you're throwing in a few vitamins. And, and I think that's the case with molasses. Concentrated uh, apple juice is often an ingredient in uh, jams and jellies that don't use sugar. It's a natural sweetener. Uh, yes, and it has tons of pectin as well, which is what you need to set a jam. So it's a really great sort of one-two punch with that. Would uh, that be okay for diabetics, Rebecca? Probably not. <laughs> no, no. Again, but the thing is, if even if I have a patient that's a diabetic, if they're having a slice of whole wheat toast or whole grain or something very grainy, and it's already a source of carb, but they want something on it and they're not into the Splenda sweetened, you know, fake jams, which I, I personally think taste bad and have an aftertaste if, if nothing else. But um, again, a teaspoon is different than spreading a quarter of a jar. And I would say have it with some eggs because then you're still, what you can do is you can almost, you can change the rate at which sugars enter your bloodstream by eating other foods simultaneously with the sugar source. A lot of listeners are asking about xylitol. Xylitol is a sugar alcohol. Um yeah. It's one of those ones that causes a little, it's malabsorbed. So the reason our bodies don't process it as sugar is that we don't actually absorb it, and that can lead to gastrointestinal distress. Oh, great. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> if we don't get one kind of problem, we get another. Robin from Maplewood, New Jersey. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Um, I was wondering um, what the difference is and if they're interchangeable, turbinado sugar and demerara sugar. I'm making some Vietnamese dishes, and they call for demerara, but I have turbinado. So could you so tell you me the do difference? Have, you mind if I take this one? Sure, absolutely, <laughs> Shauna. This is for you. Okay. Yeah. So you already have demerara then. They are the same thing. Um, and they will work exactly the same. It usually is just a question of what it's called. I mean, overseas, a lot of times you'll find it as demerara, um, but it is the same thing. Um, sometimes demerara can, demerara can be a little bit blonder, not quite as deep in color as turbinado, but go ahead and use them. And, and the, 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 the consistency of them is the same as well? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Lou from Queens. Hi, you're on the air. Thank you. Uh, post uh, having digested all the sugars and the absorption on the nutritionist, uh, taking omega-3s to bring down your triglycerides. Interesting. I would say eat less sugar to bring down your triglycerides. Less <laughs> sugar, less fruit juice, less things with added sugar. The, the real link, I am not aware of research that says that taking omega-3s will reduce triglycerides because the link between... Uh, triglycerides, which is one of the lipids that's, that does naturally exist in our blood, similar to cholesterol. Uh, but, but the deal with triglycerides is that it's impacted by your, your simple carbohydrate intake, and sugar is the biggest offender. Thank you for your call. Shauna, Amanda in Brooklyn says, I tried to sweeten some lemonade I was making with honey, but as soon as the honey hit the ice in the cup, it solidified and it wouldn't dissolve. What should I do instead? Interesting. Um, well, I think honey, it can be a very, very strong flavor. Um, so you may try, actually, in, in that case, um, making your own sort of uh, 
kind of like a honey simple syrup. I might dissolve it in some water first. Occasionally, honey can crystallize. If it's in an older honey, I have no way of knowing how long Amanda has had her honey. Um, but maybe we've all experienced this where you... Wait, so the age is important? Well, yes, because honey will, will sort of crystallize as it the longer it sits. I think most of us have opened our cupboards, pull out the honey, and there's kind of a hard uh, mass in the bottom of the honey jar where it's sort of crystallized a bit. All you have to do is warm it, and it will become fluid again. It will dissolve and and become fluid. So that would be my suggestion. If if it's a honey that's a little older, I could see that maybe happening um, in the future. Maybe make your own kind of little honey simple syrup by dissolving it in a little bit of warm water first, and that should eliminate the problem. John from Yonkers, you get the last question, and you have to make it quick. Yeah, I was just wondering what the difference is between the sugar cane sugar and sugar beet sugar, because and, and, I said most of our supply is sugar beet versus cane. Thank you. Oh, okay. Well, one of the things as a baker, I really prefer cane sugar simply because um, it tends to be a little bit more consistent from batch to batch. Um, beet sugar is a less expensive um, sugar. It doesn't necessarily mean it's lower quality, um, but I find that cane sugar, specifically for applications like candy making, where you're really relying on that sugar not crystallizing on you, I find cane sugar to be a little bit more consistent in that way. But in terms of weight or measuring by volume, they're exactly the same. Sweetness level tends to be the same as well. Um, I sometimes find that the flavor of cane sugar may be a little bit cleaner, um, but that's just me being an OCD um, and we're, we're out of time, but uh, I, I was going to ask about what happens when you roast vegetables and you taste all the sugars in them. Are we, are we just getting the same kind of sugars we're getting elsewhere? Well, they came um, from vegetables, so obviously they're like real vegetables, not cane, uh, which is a vegetable. But uh, they're, yeah, you know, that's great. Enjoy them. Thank you both so much for being on our show, Rebecca Blake and Shauna Seaver. It's been a real pleasure talking with you about sweeteners on today's Please Explain. Thanks for having Thank us. You.